Thank you, Drew, for leading us in worship. Good morning, LifePoint. I'm Joe Paschal. I'm the Outreach Pastor. And I hope that you're doing well in these immobilizing days while we continue to do church at home during this pandemic. A while back, my wife Becky and I were in China. While we were there, we didn't know this was happening, but there was a strange new virus spreading throughout the country. In fact, our friends and family back here were hearing about it in the news even before us. As it turns out, we were in a hospital in Beijing because at that time, my wife, Becky, was about to give birth to our first child, Caroline. We had traveled to that hospital because it was an international hospital. It was about 11 hours from Hefei, which was our home in China. Our city didn't have an international hospital in it. When we entered the hospital, there was no sign of a virus outbreak. But before we left, everybody was wearing masks. So we asked about it, and we found out that there was a coronavirus going around. It was called SARS. Inside China, people were being quarantined and travel was being discouraged. We were told to definitely stay away from air travel, and by all means, don't expose babies or children to questionable environments. But unfortunately, we didn't live in Beijing, and we had to get back home. We had no choice. We had to get on an airplane with our newborn and fly back to Hefei. Naturally, we had some fear about being exposed to this life-threatening epidemic, and particularly while flying with our healthy newborn. But we prayed, and we trusted God to keep us safe. And he did. Two weeks ago, we celebrated Caroline's 17th birthday. It's ironic because she was born during SARS, and here we are celebrating her 17th birthday, quarantined because of another coronavirus. So clearly, this coronavirus has impacted all of our lives, and in some cases, much worse than others. So today, I want to talk to you about being healthy, specifically having healthy, spiritually healthy bodies. The point I really want you to remember is fear paralyzes a body while love mobilizes a body. And before I'm done, I'm going to show you some examples of how the body of Christ right here in our community is responding to this crisis in unity and love. We are the body of Christ. As it says in Colossians, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And Jesus is the source of this love that mobilizes a spiritually healthy body. Jesus gave us a completely new way of thinking about life, a new way of thinking about other people. Last week on Easter Sunday, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. About 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus physically left the earth. And from that point forward, he has been changing history through his body, the church. That's us, those who believe in him. But that early church, the body of Christ, that began after Jesus returned to heaven, faced some serious challenges. And during those challenging times, it was Jesus' new way of thinking that made all the difference. Let's read about this new way of thinking beginning in Matthew chapter 8. I'll read the first three verses. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. 
a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Jesus broke all the rules here. Nobody ever touched people with leprosy. In fact, in those days, not only were the lepers required to self-quarantine indefinitely, they also were supposed to say unclean, unclean when they were out in public. This goes way back to religious rules in the Old Testament. People always avoided going near anyone that was sick with leprosy. That's an example of how people saw things. That's how they thought about people and the world. But not Jesus. He saw people differently. So his response to them is very different. Jesus loved people. He wasn't afraid of the disease. Now, before I go on, if you are thinking that I'm going to suggest that Christians should ignore quarantine and start touching people, you can stop worrying. I'm not going to suggest that. Remember, I want you to see how Jesus changed the way we think about other people. I try to imagine the scene in these verses. There's a crowd of people gathered around Jesus, and then this guy with leprosy shows up and makes a break for Jesus. He falls at Jesus' feet. I can see the crowd jumping back in fear. Lots of audible gasps, maybe even several people calling out warnings like, unclean, unclean. But Jesus didn't jump back. No, he reached out and touched him. Jesus healed his body and gave him a healthy body. The way Jesus treated lepers was countercultural. He wasn't afraid of them. He showed them love. This was unheard of. Nobody did that. Jesus disrupted the conventional way of thinking in those days. Probably the most important words Jesus ever spoke about how we should think about life and other people are found in Matthew chapter 22. So if you're using your own Bible, uh, as you turn to Matthew 22 verse 37, I'll describe the context. One of the teachers of religious law has just asked Jesus, which of all the commandments is the greatest one? Verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. Jesus saw the image of God in everyone. Because Jesus knew very well that every human being was made in God's image and therefore worthy of love. And so he taught us to love everyone as we love ourselves. We don't need to be reminded to love ourselves. It's our default setting. We naturally take care of ourselves. We focus on our needs and desires, our dreams and goals, and our health. In short, we love ourselves. But then Jesus came along and taught us to love other people the same way we love ourselves. It was this kind of love, this new way of thinking about other people, that made all the difference when lethal plagues broke out across the entire Roman Empire. The first Christians and the early church followed the example of Jesus and let love mobilize them rather than allowing fear to paralyze them. During the second and third centuries, there were two terrible plagues. 
The first one happened during the reign of Emperor Marcus Aurelius. He described the sight of seeing caravans of wagons filled with corpses leaving the city. In fact, Marcus Aurelius himself died from this plague. Fans of my favorite movie, Gladiator, will recognize this photo of Marcus Aurelius from the movie. As it turns out, the way the movie depicted the death of Marcus Aurelius wasn't true. But I'm sure the rest of the movie is accurate. But back to historical facts. This pandemic lasted over 15 years and wiped out anywhere from one quarter to one third of the population. Then again, a century later, another lethal plague swept across the Greco-Roman world. This time, the Roman Empire saw as many as 5,000 deaths a day in some of the Roman cities. Bishop Dionysus wrote that people were so afraid of catching the disease that they wouldn't even bury the dead. They just threw them out in the streets. He went on to say that in some cases, as soon as someone got sick, they were thrown out before they died. But what was the church doing during the plagues? And remember, the church was young at this point. It was a new thing in the history of the world. Despite the deadly conditions, Christians were responding in love. They didn't throw out their dead and sick. They cared for them and nursed many of them back to health. They buried their dead. They even treated and buried strangers lying in the streets. Now again, I'm not suggesting that you ignore appropriate safety precautions. I want you to notice the mindset of the early church. They remembered that Jesus taught them to love others as themselves. They remembered that every single human being bears the image of God and therefore deserves to be loved. And so they responded in love, not fear, even in the middle of deadly plagues. Christians became known for their mercy. Later in the 4th century, Emperor Julian the Apostate wrote to his priests, telling them to step up their game. He said everyone can see that the Christians are supporting their own people and their non-Christian Roman neighbors. In that same century, St. Basil of Caesarea began bringing all the lepers in the area into his monastery. He also took in other sick people and brought in physicians and nurses to take care of them all. Many historians refer to Basil's monastery as the first hospital open to the public. There were other types of hospitals in existence, but they were usually only for military or they were connected to some kind of pagan worship where the doctor was more like a sorcerer. But St. Basil, he believed what Jesus taught. He believed that everyone bears the image of God and we should love our neighbors as ourselves. So Basil offered medical services to anyone, and thus the public hospital was born. And the church has continued establishing hospitals from that day forward. Right here in Baltimore, we have St. Joseph's, St. Agnes, Sinai. Many hospitals are named after saints and people and places in the Bible, following in the footsteps of the early church's mercy and compassion. You see, when the body of Christ is mobilized by love, not fear, it changes history. Fear can paralyze a body, but a body mobilized by love is healthy. We are that same body of Christ. 
that same body of Christ's followers that weren't crippled by fear in the face of the plagues in the second and third centuries. But of course, our situation is different. Times have changed. We have modern science and we have advanced medical technology. But some things never change. Fear is still crippling. Fear creates unhealthy bodies. And yes, there are fearful things going on right now, things we've never experienced before. But let's think back to just a few weeks before the quarantine. We had no idea how the whole world and our lives would be debilitated by this pandemic. But God knew, and he was preparing us. Do you remember the verse we began memorizing on February 23rd? 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Have you remembered this truth during this crisis? Or has it been crowded out by worries and fears? God was preparing us. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Don't let fear paralyze you. Remember God's truth. Remember the spirit that he has given us. Love mobilizes the body. Fear paralyzes the body. Love mobilizes and fear paralyzes. But what does that actually look like in real life? Let me give you a few examples by comparing a spirit of fear to a spirit of love. Fear says, do I have enough Captain Crunch and toilet paper? That's that hoarding mentality. Love says, I have enough, so how can I help those who don't? This is that sharing mentality. Fear says, I'm afraid I'll get sick. Love says, who is sick and how can I help them? Fear says, I've lost my job. How can I provide for my family? And that's a very serious issue. But love says, who else has lost their job and needs my help? Fear says, why is God putting us through this pandemic? Love says, how does God want me to show love and hope during this pandemic? As I mentioned earlier, I'm not suggesting that we should ignore common sense and basic health safety now known, uh, well known as social distancing. But I am challenging all of us to let love mobilize us. We are the body of Christ. When the body of Christ is healthy and mobilized by love, we change history. So the obvious question becomes, how can we mobilize and still follow the stay-at-home rules and social distancing? That's the question I've been looking forward to answering for you. Here's a short answer. Love 140. Love 140 is the name of a network of churches along Highway 140, united in serving our communities, especially during this pandemic. What's so great about Love 140 is that many different churches are coming together as a healthy, united body of Christ mobilized by love. In just a few minutes, I'm going to tell you how you can get involved, but first I want to show you a couple of videos about it. The first video originally was planned to be the promotional video for a big community outreach campaign. We were going to launch today, actually, with churches all the way from Uniontown Bible Church down 140 into Baltimore to Hampton Church. 
Let's watch the video. Hey, I'm Joe Paschal. I'm one of the pastors at LifePoint Church, and I'm helping coordinate Love 140. And right now, we're about to get on this bus and spend the day going down uh, the 140 corridor and also Reisterstown Road and pick up all these different pastors and church staff that are going to participate in Love 140 in the spring. By the end of the day, our bus is going to be full of pastors from many different kinds of churches, from different places, and we're going to be together in unity on the bus just the way we want Love 140 in the spring to be lots of different churches coming together in unity to serve our communities and show them that there's a message of unity and loving each other and treating each other the way we want to be treated. So I'm excited about doing this. Uh, I think it's going to be a great day. Let's go. Jesus prayed for unity. That was that was the heart of Jesus, was unity in the church. He said, I pray that the church is one, like I'm one. Not only is it an example, you know, but I think it's good for us. It's not just something we're doing for people that aren't part of our churches. You know, it's good, it's good for us as well. At the center of God's command to love your neighbor as yourself is Christ's command to love one another as he has loved us. So I feel like unity, church unity, offers us the greatest opportunity to demonstrate the love of Christ. As we love one another, as we work together practically, we're showing the world that we're his disciples. We have um, talked many, many times about unity in the church across denominational and all kinds of lines, and this gives us a chance to act it out. We are one church. Uh, we are one body. Uh, there's one Lord and one Savior. And so. Uh, the opportunity for us to all come together in this way and worship Him from all our different backgrounds, all our different experiences for this uh, one cause of seeing His name glorified and souls touched for Him. Uh, that is the Great Commission. That is what we're called to do. Lord, I pray that we can truly send a message to the communities around us that when the church comes together in love, that it is something you created and is a beautiful and wonderful thing and is, a, and, and is something that spills over into our communities and blesses our communities as we serve them. And I pray that not only will you be glorified, but many people will be drawn to Jesus as a result of our unity and loving each other the way you want us to. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Obviously, our plans had to change. In the same way God was preparing our church for the pandemic when we were memorizing 2 Timothy 1.7, likewise, when all these churches were planning this Love 140 campaign, God was actually preparing us for something else. So in this next video, you'll see a Zoom call that I had with a few of the pastors that were involved in this campaign. We'll be talking about how the pandemic has changed our plans for Love 140. Well, guys, uh, I really appreciate um, the chance we get to talk now uh, um, and kind of follow up with what we had planned. You know, we all were uh, agreeing to come together as the church in unity and serve uh, by going out into the community and doing projects um, along, you know, the 140 corridor and Reisterstown Road. But that was before this whole 
pandemic and quarantine. Um, anybody have any thoughts uh, about um, that change and what that process has been like? I don't think we, we could not have predicted uh, what happened, obviously. I mean, we had no idea. But God had a plan. He had a purpose. And um, it's been amazing to see what the work we were doing beforehand and talking about unity and the way God's using it now. It's just, it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember sitting down with y'all's executive pastor and good friend of mine at, um, we were Bob Evans and we were just kind of talking about what this would look like. And he was pouring out his heart and I was pouring out my heart. And then he connected you, Joe and I together and I remember uh, walking into that office the first time and I didn't even know you. And, but we connected for the first time. This was probably eight months ago, 10 months ago. Yeah, it's been a while. And Kevin, I didn't really know you. We got together at Chipotle recently and got to know each other a little bit better. Brian, I didn't know you. I don't think, I mean, I obviously didn't know any of y'all and I didn't know a lot of the people that were even in this level and 40 thing, but it's like, over the past 10 months, God has been bringing us together for a reason. And I really think it probably has a lot to do with what's going on right now around our city is that he gathered us all together, getting us ready uh, to be able to impact our city in a big way. And I think, and that, that really, that really brings to mind something that I've been thinking about recently, which is I feel like the, the project, the project was a good thing and the project is a better thing now. I feel like it went from serving our neighbors on our own terms to serving our neighbors on God's terms. Uh, because, you know, you, LifePoint and then everybody else gets involved, started putting together a plan to serve our neighbors. Uh, this is before we realized that the pandemic was going to come to our shores and uh, before we realized that uh, we were all going to be quarantined. Uh, so now we, we are serving a specific need uh, where we're, there's less ambiguity and, and it's more like a laser focus right now. We, people, are, people are stuck at home, people are unemployed, uh, people are, are without certain, certain life essentials and how can Christians come together to be a blessing in this time? So I feel like it, it went from a, a good idea mm -hmm. to a focused need. Um, and, and I thought of Ephesians 3, right, where Paul says, God's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. We asked him to bless this and we had no idea what we were asking him to do. And he said, here's my answer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, unity happens when you have one mission, one direction and the church always does at some level, but I mean, it's just, it's completely different now. The, the mission is so clear and we're all on it together. And I think that's what God's starting to use. So as you've just heard, we are still all united as the body of Christ. And here's how you can get involved. When this service is over, go online and go to love140.us. You will see four sections on that website. The first section shows how to donate food, supplies, and financial support to organizations and food pantries all around our region. The next section shows how to help in other ways. For example, did you know you can volunteer to be a personal shopper for people who can't get out? Thanks to Crossroads Church for leading this project. 
Did you know that there's a 24-hour prayer vigil going on? You can sign up to take an hour time slot to pray about the pandemic. Thanks to Uniontown Bible Church for leading this initiative. The third section explains where to get help if you need it. And finally, at the bottom, you'll see a list of churches that are participating in this Love 140 network. Everyone can find something to do. We are the same church that began after Easter over 2,000 years ago. We have a rich heritage of being used by God to change history by loving people. That love gives people hope, and people desperately need hope right now. Our job as a healthy body of Christ is to show the world where to find the hope that they are searching for. When the world sees the church mobilized by love, they will know that there is hope, and they don't need to be afraid. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much that we as the church, the body of Christ, that there's only one. And we are the same body of Christ that started so many centuries ago. And we have this heritage of being used by you. When we reach out and in love, we change history. And Lord, this is a time like we've never experienced before. And I pray that you will help us to trust you, to trust you to use us now to be mobilized by your love so that we can show people they don't need to be afraid. There is hope. Lord, I pray that you would protect us, but also those that are already impacted by this, uh, whether it's financially or physically, their health. Lord, I pray that you'll uh, heal them, deliver them, provide them for people's needs. And we ask you for a miraculous end to this pandemic. And I pray that we will come out of this with many more people in this world focused on you and your sovereignty. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.